0: Thank you elder Francis for the prayer and uh, for joining allow me to join in the pipe ceremony this morning I was so honored to do that and uh, it was a good way to start the day a uh, lot of heavy hearts here today but let's hope that this will be the start of us moving forward so much trauma let's 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 move forward and start that healing process and I thank everybody that's joined us on that that journey of, of healing and I know you got story we're going to hear that's going to break our hearts again and it's been a it's been a long morning for a lot of us we've we've heard those stories and uh, we're doing what we can to to help the people move forward all the families that have have lost somebody so I thank you for that and I I thank you for joining me and Rochelle Venn uh, chief executive officer of the institute for the advancement of aboriginal women who also vice chair of our panel for or 113 steps forward so thank you for joining us here this morning as well she's been a force in Alberta when it comes to creating uh, a better outcomes for Indigenous women and their families and their communities I thank you for that Rochelle and thank you for trusting me and, and helping me on this journey thank you so much we're here today at uh, Enoch Cree Nation in Treaty 6 territory And I also want to recognize the deep connection the Métis have uh, with the land here that we call Alberta. So a lot of you all know that this is the third anniversary of the public release of the National Inquiry into Missing Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. I was in Gatineau when it was released, and uh, I know how important it is to Rochelle and all the families that have had people go missing in their lives. At that ceremony, I sat beside a lady. Her name was Winnie. hope she's watching. And she told me, don't just make this another report that sits on a shelf and collects dust. Take action. Take action. And I hear that all the time. Like my good friend, uh, Chief Willie Littlechild, International Chief, uh, my friend and mentor, he, he told me, he says, Minister... He says, there's lots of talk and lots of symbolic stuff going on. He says, but I want you to take action. And so that's what this government's been doing. Whenever we get a chance, we take action. And once again, thank you for allowing me to, to be in that position to, to do that. Today we invited the families of the missing, murdered, indigenous women and girls and the two-spirited plus uh, people to a day of ceremony and connection. I took time today and just as before I was coming in here to talk to many of the people that have lost family members and it's a hard journey they're on. It's a heavy journey. But I'm honoured that I have the opportunity to do something about it. From where I come from uh, in the Samson Cree Nation part of Muscochise also an important time for the Suse family there who I know Shirley Sousa went missing more than 40 years ago. For 40 years, her family worked hard to find her. Last Friday, Shirley returned to Muscochise, where she's going to be buried. Now her family can begin to heal. 40 years is a long time to live without our sisters. Indigenous women and girls and two-spirited people have lived for many years in fear and for violence against them. In Alberta, Indigenous women and girls are seven times more likely to be murdered and three times more likely to experience sexual assault and twice as likely to be assaulted compared with non-Indigenous women. It's not okay. We can't accept this anymore or believe that people are asking for it. Indigenous women have told us what they need and the government of Alberta is stepping up. While well, we've been taking action from the start of our mandate, we have a missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls roadmap now, and that's going to guide us and how we're going to move forward with the policies and legislation. Rochelle can speak to that, but we've had a panel working for two years on this. My God, the hours they've put in and the tears that we've shed. Every week they're meeting for hours, putting this together. And I know everybody thinks this is the most important work we've done in our career, something to look back on and be proud of, that we can actually make a difference and save some lives and protect people. The first one is about community connections on our roadmap, healing and cultural supports. The second one focuses on education and economic independence and infrastructure, like safe and affordable housing. The third is about community wellness and improving the justice system. Accountability to and inclusion of Indigenous women and girls and two-spirited people. And the plus is is the fourth pathway and reminds us that Indigenous people lead this work. They're telling us what they need for a safer future and we're making sure those voices have a formal place to be heard. I'm so proud that we're finally taking action. And what we've done is we're going to set up a a premier's council on missing murder, indigenous women and girls. This is a place where this uh, panel will be able to uh, report directly to the premier, woman or man, who's ever there, (laughs) and tell them their success stories and what's, what's missing, what needs to also be done. This council of up to 12 members, including indigenous women, are going to report directly to the premier through me. And their aim will be to keep Alberta's government accountable to the violent prevention. And they're going to make a mandate to examine laws, policies, and programs to track that progress. So I'm going to be sharing more about this information about the Premier's Council as soon as I can. We'll be setting it up as quick as we can. So while the Missing, Murder, Indigenous, uh, Women's and Girls Roadmap and the Premier's Council are new, we've been actively working on violence prevention We've set up a series of grants to support approaches to stem the ongoing crisis, to work uh, to end human trafficking. Human trafficking in Alberta, unbelievable. And creating Indigenous courts that are more culturally relevant, restorative and holistic justice, and we are making changes. And I'll be the first to tell you, change isn't easy. (laughs) It's hard work, and as one woman said this morning, it's hard work. I really liked when she said that, hard work. As much as we need safety now, we are looking to do long term work to shift systems. The Premier's Council was going to have a five year mandate to do the work, and there's a possibility of extending that mandate as well. I know we are making progress by working as a whole government with Indigenous women and girls and two spirited plus people in an act of reconciliation, or like Chief Willie likes to say, reconciliation. We live in a world with too many women, like Shirley Sussay, taken too soon by violence that robs us of them. It's not okay. I think, Rochelle, if you'd like to come up next. Thank you.
1: Hello, everybody, and uh, thanks for being here. Uh, Thank you to Elder Francis uh, for your opening prayer, and welcome to the family members that are here um, to be here on this momentous day. Um, It's come after a lot of long, hard days, and um, very momentous. Uh, Just to tell you a little bit about myself, um, I'm a daughter of an advocate. uh, my mother has been one of the most uh, recognized indigenous women in Alberta. and sorry uh, worked really hard on this issue for many, many, many years. And um, so the idea that this is not a, a new issue, this has been a long time working, um, and family members and, and others just trying to, you know, get somebody to listen to them. And I remember when my mother received the order of Canada, we were in Ottawa and she said, Rochelle, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to thank my family. Um, I need to take this opportunity to share. there thanks but yeah so she she shared the names of the missing and murdered and used her time to do that and uh, unfortunately as we know um, a lot of times it has come on deaf ears and um, so I think this day is momentous uh, for us To kind of move forward and um, so on behalf of the Alberta Joint Working Group on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, I would like to thank the government of Alberta and especially Minister Wilson in particular for the commitment to address violence against Indigenous women and girls and two spirit plus people. And first, as co-chair of the Alberta Joint Working Group, I would like to thank my fellow members, some of them are here, um, to, um, you know, that we had long, hard discussions, oftentimes difficult, subject matter was very hard, and, um, you know, we had many different departments and police uh, come to speak to us about what they're doing and what they're could be doing better. Um, so um, those discussions were hard. Um, but we think as a group, we came together at the end to make sure we put forward the best recommendations we could. The violence perpetrated against Indigenous women and girls and Two Spirit Plus people is deep rooted in Canadian society. It has taken over 150 years for us to understand and commit to dealing with it. That is why we appreciate the work that the government of Alberta uh, and their commitment and action in establishing a Premier's Council um, is so very important. It's an opportunity uh, for us to work collaboratively with government to implement this roadmap that we've developed. So the, um, as, as our report notes, indigenous women and two-spirit girls, two-spirit women people, need to be at the forefront when governments are developing legislation, policies, programs and services addressing violence. After all, it is indigenous women girls and two-spirit people who have that lived experience and who know what works and what doesn't work in order to stop the violence. I'm also pleased to see the Strategic Alberta Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Roadmap. It is a starting point for government that recognizes many of the conclusions of the National Inquiry uh, and also the Alberta Joint Working Group's recommendations it recognizes the complexity of how and why this violence occurs and it commits to addressing four pathways to lead to that lead to and perpetuate violence finally it is my hope that the work we did as the alberta joint working group becomes part of the work moving forward and that government takes that to heart the words and recommendations from us it put families and survivors and loved ones at the center of all that we do and will do thanks thank you once again and I look forward to continuing this work
2: I'd like to call uh, Cheryl and um, from calling like she's going to talk about um, what brought her today, uh, her healing journey and what she would like to hear and see out of the report. Uh, please come up.
3: You'll have to forgive me. I'm not a, uh, this is not my thing, uh, but uh, I want to be a strong voice. Um, to represent uh, for my daughter. And not only for my daughter, but for my grandsons, and for my children, and for many others. So uh, good afternoon. Uh, So grateful to be here and to join in such a time with all of you. Uh, My name is Cheryl Yucatel. Um, I live in Athabasca. But my roots and my home ground is Colin Lake. As this is a time that is uh, very sensitive and uh, very vulnerable to my heart. And I know it is for you too. Uh, For this kind of loss is hard to go through. And uh, a lot of us are still going through this horrific pain and this nightmare I'm going to put my glasses on. I'm going to circle my eyes. I have been affected by this, uh, by losing my firstborn. She was everything to me. With her, we had uh, five generations in our family and it's been severed. She was 25 years old. Her name was Nature Duparin. She was my friend. Uh, she, was, she had such a genuine, sincere love uh, that was so pure. She was creative. We used to play music together. I could still hear her singing. She was so funny. And I'm so thankful that I had the opportunity to uh, be her mother and to record all the memories that I have of her. And I cherish those. It helps me keep her alive in my memory. Um, She was so beautiful. She also struggled. Uh, She struggled as a young person. At nine years old, she uh, had alopecia. Her hair would be falling out. And she was just trying so hard to fit in. At a young age, she was uh, she was raped in school on the outskirts of school. so I understood her trauma. And you know from there, we started working really hard to try and address these traumas. She would have moments that were really good and and then she would just have falling outs. Nature was a sister to three other siblings. So she, had two brother, she has two brothers and a baby sister. Um, she, ha- she was a mother to three little boys. I raised one of those little boys. My mom raises two of them. We do everything that we can to keep that bond close, because they are separated. She was a, a beautiful granddaughter, great-granddaughter, but most of all, she was a, she was a person. She fell in um, a lot of in and out of depression, which had led to uh, on and off, tackling with drugs. You know, a lot of obstacles come with that factor because of the trauma that has been there. But she did try really hard to progress forward. Um, in, her last, in this last time around with the struggle, she was clean for 33 months. I was so proud of her. <laughs> She was, uh, was going to be married. I, um, I just finally gave away her wedding dress, because I had it sitting in my house. Trauma hit, and uh, again, the man that she was to marry started doing drugs. And he would come and he would beat her. And he was not like that. But the drugs cause such an effect. It changes a person within three days. She did escape him. And they they did remain as friends. But she... I could tell with the depression that hit she just started um, started in on uh, going back into the drug life. But it's not who she was. I know who she was. She had lots of influences of family and friends that would give over that to her and that made it hard because everything you do to raise your child could be destroyed from one drug but as a mom I I did everything that I could I remained in those close relationships with her Uh, I would go meet her Uh, she was living at her friend's place in Edmonton and I remember that uh that one, that one night, I come home from an evening shift, and she sent me a message saying that she loved me. She wanted pictures of her babies. It was the most uh, strangest kind of message. I wasn't really quite expecting that, and so I did so, and I asked her if she was in trouble and if she needed help, but she, uh, she wouldn't allow me to come and uh, I found out that that was uh, I think it was the next day is when she was actually uh, murdered but I wasn't sure about that till way later my daughter was uh, taken in the month of April of 2019 and she was robbed, she was kidnapped and she was brutally murdered, taken from Edmonton, traveled all the way to Pass Hinton with five other people in that vehicle. Two of them were young women, and there was three young men. As it is right now, four of them are charged One lives back at home, one has immunity because without him saying, coming forward, we would not have her body, we would not be able to bring her home and we wouldn't have this story. She was in that bush for 16 days. And uh, she was, uh, we lived uh, in fear. And then what made it hard is that uh, they were all aboriginal. And that, that really broke my heart. Because it just seemed like a genocide within. And that's not how we're supposed to be. But it's not, uh, it's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be loving and caring and helping one another. And that's what I would like to see. I would like to see a better result for people suffering with trauma, people suffering with drugs, Then the police, uh, they asked us. So when they did come tell us that my daughter was found, it was on the 25th of April, I already knew. But I kept looking still, but I knew little kids are sensitive. So uh, I listened listened to them. Um, But uh, they came to our house, and they told us they had found her. They asked us, if we would uh, grieve in silence for eight days. Well, as long as we could, we, uh, we lasted eight days. We didn't tell any family. We used social media to collect information because uh, we knew that we couldn't bring her back, but we were so scared, so scared because other, other women were being murdered. And that I don't, uh, don't agree with that. But I will do everything I can to make sure that uh, I just wanted other women to be safe. And so I agreed to this. And I do have a good close relationship with the investigators, so I'm, I'm really thankful for that. But there's some things I think that the closeness should be a little bit more worked on because they knew the story. But for a whole year, I lived in fear, wondering if someone was going to come to my home. Because we didn't know what happened to her or who took her. We had nothing. We waited a whole year for that. And then, uh, two of them were supposed to be her friends and then there's gang affiliations that's not proper why do they think that's why they have to belong they need to come back to where there's proper healing drugs are a problem motive of a person's heart needs to be healed. A person's mental health needs to be nurtured and healed and able to be able to merge forward to have a, to be a, have a stable life but also to know with how much they're loved. So now we have these uh, little children to take care of. And I love my little guys. Um, But I want him to be resilient. I want him to feel empowered. I don't want him to have to be Scared of the world that he lives in. And in the process, everything, uh, a lot of it comes out of my own pocket. Uh, I don't have kinship. I have parenting and guardian for him. He is a true orphan, as both his parents were both murdered. A year and a half apart from each other. They're right across in the graveyard. Um, I receive $105 a month from the CYS program to raise a little person. When is that proper? Not only that, I have to uh, be able to help my children so they can prosper because they suffered such great loss by losing their eldest sister my one son is a, he's a working body and I'm so thankful he uh in the process here at received apprenticeship and so uh, he is continuing to work hard my youngest daughter is working and uh It was hard for her, too. And we know that we still are going to have some hard times ahead of us because we haven't even hit trial yet. I'm still waiting. It's been over three years. I have a son that had uh, suffered with mental health for 10 years. And in the past two years, my son was in a group home facility for disabilities, and my son uh, was at 24-hour care. He was uh, poisoned with a jug of windshield washer fluid. He's a survivor of criminal negligence. He's such a strong man, and uh, as it is right now, he's with me. uh, how many months before I got to take a trauma, counsel, uh, trauma counseling uh, course with uh, a lady. And with that, I got then I got to meet Awatan. <laughs> and so I had got a lot of art therapy and a lot of healing for myself. And I'm so blessed with that because I know I was getting disconnected myself and I needed to have some time to be able to reconnect so that I don't fall into those grounds also. But in that time frame, my son, a week before COVID hit, he was on life support. There was no rehabilitation throughout this time. So I did all that I can as a mom for therapies, and I'm, I have my son living with me today. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm so grateful in all those things that I have in our world. I have a good sidekicked husband. Uh, I have an awesome mom. (laughs) And I have a lot of support. And that's what we need in this world is uh, more support, more understanding, more help for the children. And for the families that are raising these children, 105 doesn't cut it. And for the mental health, we need proper rehabilitations. Because it's not who my daughter was. It's not even the ones that murdered my daughter. That's not who they are. Those are other mothers' children. They need healing. Yet it's not proper to take someone's life. So um, let's keep our fires going. Let's keep healing. Um, And keep us in prayer because we have trial in September and we know it's going to be hard. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much, Cheryl, for that incredible story. Uh, we're going to move to the media segment. Um, so, Rochelle, if I can have you come back. Um, Cheryl, would you mind coming back up? I'm just, uh, just come over here and, and Rochelle. Uh, media for, and media on the line. Um, again, Justin will uh, moderate. And to the media here, uh, so this is the actual report 113 pathways. Uh, I asked uh, for you guys to have some hard copies available. So there should be some at the back of the room. So please make sure that uh, you you take some back to your newsroom. Uh, We do have some available. It is all online, but uh, we do have hard copies available. Um, Again, for the assembled speakers, uh, we have Rochelle Venn from the IAEW. Cheryl, uh, you just heard her her story. And just really quickly, uh, when we put this event together, we put out a call for families to come share the experience, and uh, we received an overwhelming response. We had uh, over 150 families. Uh, sadly, all the stories uh, like Cheryl's. Uh, and, uh, you know, we could have had, you know, hundreds more likely, um, but uh, it's it's such a tragedy. And uh, thank you again, Cheryl, for, for sharing. Um, we need to hear that. The media needs to hear that. Alberta needs to hear that. Um Justin, I'll turn it over to you, and uh, after that, uh, we'll have a closing prayer uh, from Richard. So, take it away. Thank you, Ted. We're going to start with questions in the room. There's a media mic at the back there. Please identify yourself and your outlet and who you'd like to direct your question to.
4: Hi, Mirna Jukic for Radio Canada. Uh, The question would be for Mrs. Yukutel if she's willing to answer it. We've had a lot of recommendations from the from the National Inquiry, now the recommendations from the committee, Um, but for families like yours, if there was one thing that the government could put in place to help you, like a concrete thing in the next few months, what would it be?
3: I think it would be the security for the children. I think they need that security. That safety. For myself, um, it's a waiting game. And so uh, I, have, I do have a notebook because after trial, I want all those answers. So I don't, uh, there's, not, there's not much a person can comfort
4: me with because I'm still waiting. Thank you.
2: Do you have a follow up, Myrna?
4: I would. It would be for the minister. It's been three years, as we all know, since the report came out, and it used the word genocide. In three years, we haven't heard uh, the provincial government use that word. So are you considering what's happening, a genocide, why and why not?
0: Th- thanks for the question. And, uh, if you'll look in the report, the panel members are here, and, and we allowed them to... Uh, uh, in their their uh, biography, is to say whatever they like. And some of them did use the, the word genocide, and uh, we allowed them to put that in the report. Uh, what we're focused on as a, as government, like I said, is action and moving forward and, and helping families like Cheryl's. Like, this is next door. We've got... I've heard so many stories. This morning, my heart is broke, to be honest with you. <laughs> so we're going to move forward on this. We're going to take action, and that's what we're going to focus on, Is is, is finding a way through this trauma and helping people to start to heal because we have to help them through this trauma. It's, it's, it's literally killing them, all the pain that's out there. So whatever I can do to help them get through that, I'm going to do it.
2: Thank you, Mano. With that, we're going to go to the phones. Operator, can you please put through our first caller?
4: Ashley Juano, Post Media. Hi, thank you for taking my questions. These are for the minister. Um, minister, the stories we've heard today make it clear how important this is. You mentioned at the beginning about how it's important to not let this just be another report. I appreciate that you're creating a
1: committee, but can you today tell me when the government will implement the 113
4: steps and how much money has been earmarked to go towards that? Do you have a concrete timeline for when concrete action will take
1: place?
0: Thanks for your question, yeah. And uh, the timeline is today, (laughs) so we're starting to put that panel in place today and that actually if you look in the report that's the number one recommendation and i hear this from indigenous people all the time nothing about us without us and that was very important to the panel they wanted to have that voice at the table so that's the one thing that first thing in the report is to set up this premier's council and so we're doing that the other part is the the, the roadmap that we talked about and it's got concrete things that, how do we address things in the community around education and it's not just my department working this other departments are all working uh, the premier directed us all to to make this a priority so you're going to see things coming forward from justice uh, mental health and addictions it's to be honest with you i, I deal with that especially in my writing 90 percent of the time is mental health and addictions and we really have to start making some inroads there uh, so we can make a real difference in these people's lives so you're going to see action starting right away We're not just gonna sit this thing on a shelf, it's gonna go to work right away. We've already done some things around Claire's Law. Uh, I put a million dollars into this year's uh, budget that we put together already just for women's initiatives, uh, helping uh, Awatan Society down there. They've got some work they were doing with the police in combination. We did some work with the YWCA with families, uh, uh, kids that have lost all their families. So there's camps being set up, but there's already been one that's been run. they can go down there, and it's a special camp just for kids uh, uh, and to help them get through that trauma, and we're going to be doing more of those camps this year. So there's already a lot of stuff in the in the works, and we're going to keep moving forward. This is not something that's going to be shelved. It's it's near and dear to my heart. I've, I've lost many friends myself. I think out of my entire class, there's one left <laughs> that I grew up with. Sorry. So, yeah, we're taking this serious, and we're going to make things happen.
2: Thank you, Minister. Ashley, do you have a follow-up?
4: I just want to touch on that again. Is there a concrete
1: timeline for, I appreciate that you're starting today, but is there a concrete timeline for when you'll be through all 113 steps, and is there a set amount of money that's already been earmarked to
4: to complete the 113 steps? Yeah,
0: you know, Like I said, it's across ministry, so there's going to be budget money coming from, from other ministries as well. Uh, community service is a big part of this because uh, uh, a lot of the issues... Uh, Especially for say a single mom, uh, like uh, we set, helped set up a, a home down in in Calgary or Lethbridge. I mean, uh, for women, say a single mom coming off the reservation into into town. It's even for myself, I found it traumatic coming in from the country into the city to live there. So we're gonna ha- we helped them set up a shelter down there so that uh, when the when the women come in, they can get direction as to where they can get help. Uh, to find uh how do i even write a resume and those type of things so that's going to be happening all across ministries uh addictions and mental health is is putting a lot of money into uh addictions issues Uh, uh seniors homes and housing there's money towards that justice is going to be doing a lot of the work so it's not just uh ministry of indigenous relations it's a lot of different ministries and like i said just with my own little ministry we've got uh a lot of programs. Uh, I, I can't even remember how many grants I signed this, but a lot of grants went out for different groups uh, to help them. Uh, uh, various uh, groups for shelters for women and and uh, and help for the for the kids. So it's like I say, it's it's cross ministry, and there's going to be a lot of money put towards it. I can't give you a specific amount, but uh, I know just uh, in the last month, I just from my ministry alone, we we put out over a million dollars to help with uh, just to jumpstart the, the initiatives.
2: Thanks, Minister. Operator, can you please put through our next
0: caller?
4: Sherry Noreen, Windspeaker. Thank you. This is for
1: Minister Wilson. The Reconciliation um, Action Group, which is comprised of members of the Blackfoot Confederacy, released a statement this morning saying they weren't hopeful about whatever you were going to say today without even having heard it first. They were confident nothing you would say would be meaningful. What does it say to you that a group from the Blackfoot Confederacy has so little faith in your government's plans?
0: I'm not aware of that group, but I work very closely with a lot of the, the, the Blackfoot uh, chiefs down there, uh, Ch- uh, Chief Fox from Kainai is a dear friend of mine, as well as uh, the Chief Greer from Bakani and uh, Chief Crowfoot, so I, I work really closely with them, uh, so I'm not sure th- who, which group is saying this, but I, I know that uh, a lot of the chiefs have faith in me, and uh, I can tell them from my heart that we will be doing a lot of work uh, to help them wherever we can.
2: Sure. We do you have a follow up?
1: Do you think what you outlined today is going to give the women in this group faith?
0: Well, I can tell you from the group next door, uh, we've already shed a lot of tears this morning, and a lot of people are coming up to me and and hugging me and, and thanking me for the, the the work that we're doing. And uh, I see uh, Josie's head nodding there. Uh, the women on this panel, uh, some of the most amazing people I've worked with in my life, and. Uh, I'm just so honoured that they, they trusted me. Like, I started this journey... One of the first places I went, I met was with uh, Josie down at Awaton Society there. And I always keep it with me. <laughs> she gave me my first red dress. And I think she was feeling that way about me too. She who's this white guy coming down here <laughs> and going to help us out here? <laughs> and you know what? I, I took it on, head on. I made it to, It wasn't even part of our mandate, but I made it part of our mandate. And the Premier let me run with it. And... Uh... uh the Awatan Society, they brought me up a full-size regalia red dress. We had it on display today. We keep it on display all the time at the Federal Building. You can walk up there, and you'll see this uh, red dress on display. We've got a declaration in there where we have I declared October 4th Sisters in Spirit Day. We do ceremony there. We did a ceremony this spring with them uh, where we put some little kids' moccasins in there. It was a tough day. So there's a lot of stuff going on and behind the scenes. Other, like I say, other ministries are working on things, so... Uh, to say we're not doing nothing, I'm gonna—I'll challenge that because we are doing something and we are going to make a difference. And I said that this morning. I said we're going to make a difference, and we will make a difference.
2: Thank you, Minister. Operator, can you please put through our next caller? Michelle Belfontaine, CBC. Oh, hi there.
1: Thanks for taking that question. Um, these are questions for Minister Wilson. Um, well, uh, Minister, you and the kids—you wanted to uh, get the Premier's Council work going underway immediately can you give me um some kind of timeline as to when you would like
0: to have the group to start its work yeah we're the first thing we have to do of course is to pick the panel members so uh, my department is right now working on uh, the parameters as to uh, how we're going to go out because uh it's very important that we get uh some good people on there like cheryl and josie and other people that uh, have the experience uh i don't claim to to be an expert in everything but uh I do have the ability to tap into the people that do have that expertise. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to get some good, hardworking people with big hearts uh, working on this panel. And we'll get it up and running as, as quick as we can. I, I can't give you an exact date, but uh, like I say, work is ongoing as we speak, and we're not going to stop until we make a difference.
2: Michelle, do you have a follow-up? Yeah,
1: so you, you are going to be appointing then the members of the council. Um, how many, how, well, what's the proportion? I mean, you indicated that you would want... Indigenous women on, on the council, will it be made entirely of uh, Indigenous women? Can you tell me a little bit about
4: what your preference is for the breakdown?
0: Yeah, we're gonna. I think we're going to have 12 members on there, and uh, for sure it's going to be the majority will be Indigenous women, but I'd, I'd like to have a uh, uh, couple of men on there too because uh, unfortunately there's probably just as many or more Indigenous men that go missing or murdered every year as well, so it's important to have that perspective as well. So it's going to be a mix of uh, uh, some good... Uh, incredibly big-hearted people on that that committee. And, uh, of course, most of it will be Indigenous women.
2: Thank you, Minister. Operator, are there any other other questions on the line?
3: There are no other questions in the queue at this time.
2: Thank you. That concludes our press conference. All right. uh, Thank you, everybody. That uh, is a wrap for the media.